Welcome to Envision, fostering a community for change. Your co-hosts are Ronnie Langer-Kroger and Thomas Rosenberg. In today's program, you'll meet fascinating people who are implementing innovative ideas to make a difference both locally and globally. Now, here is your host. Hello, everyone. I'm your co-host, Thomas Rosenberg. Welcome to Envision. Today, we're revisiting a topic from a year ago, what it means to raise emotionally healthy youth. The more emotionally healthy youth are, the more adept they are at relationships, social participation, and they're able to create lifelong learning learning habits. Emotionally healthier youth also tend to be physically healthier in part because they're able to love and to receive love. The emotional health of our boys in particular begins with how we socialize and communicate with them from birth. And research shows that those who suppress emotions have a lower level of resilience and emotional health. Simply put, enabling youth to be fully themselves and creating spaces where all aspects of them are welcome is good for everyone. And so it is an honor to introduce our guest, Mr. Ashanti Branch, founder and executive director of the Ever Forward Club. So Ashanti, welcome back to the show. Thank you, glad to be here. Yes, it is, it is wonderful having you back on, on board. So for those who haven't heard your the first interview we did a little over a year ago, could you briefly share what the Ever Forward Club is? Yeah, thank you. Um, so Ever Forward is a youth development uh, program. Uh, we have three uh, specific programs. We have our Ever Forward Club, which is for young men, middle school and high school. Um, actually, this past year, we launched the um, elementary version, which is for fourth and fifth graders. And that club is for young men to really just meet weekly with a mentor to just kind of deal with some of the social emotional stuff that goes on and just give them some tools just to add to their like emotional toolbox, we call it. Um, we have the Ever Forward Professional Development. That's for parents, teachers, community workers, administrators, social workers, and sometimes um, corporate clients who want to do some work around exploring team building, connection, uh, dealing with their own um, maybe biases or masks that get in the way of people building deep connections. And then we have the Ever Forward Experiences, which are workshops that we do for young people, usually um, around the country and, and in other parts of the world. So um, our program is really it was started as just a club um, uh, for some young men at a high school that I was teaching at back in 2004. And, um, and now, you know, it's, it's in this phase of kind of growth and, and expansion. Awesome. So what do you feel is missing in how we raise boys and girls for that matter? Well, that's a really big question. I think, you know, when we think about our young people, and I think that the way that young people were raised today and, and kind of like families that just kind of stick within the walls or four walls of their own home, um, there's, there's a, in many communities, there's not like a community kind of growing and building, right? So that the the parents are the ones who teach the values only and the students, the young people follow those values ideally. Um, but, you know, I think there's a missing part when the community doesn't have a place to play in terms of helping rear the young people. And so I think that raising young people is challenging itself. You know, I don't have kids, but I've raised a lot of them. <laughs> and <laughs> I think that when you're when you're dealing with a human who is mm-hmm. has their own mind, as the adult person, you say, well, this is the way I want you to do things. 
And sometimes it's based on our own values and what we've tried to instill in them are the values. Um, but at a certain age, young people are going to be like, you know, I don't think that I want to eat meat anymore, right? And then you as a parent or whatever, a guardian has to say, well, no, in this house we all, you know, so, so it becomes these battles when, a, when the young person becomes to have their own ideals and their own sometimes goals and values that sometimes can be a conflict. And so I think um, there's, a, there's two things. It's like giving young people space to, to have some of their own humanness because they are humans and they, they should have some decisions to make about their own lives and, and within reason. Um, and then also parents you're giving young people or adults or guardians or, uh, and I don't, I don't have to use the word parents, I'm just talking about people who are guardians of kids because mm-hmm. they may not be your parents. You may, and, there, and there may be a situation where a child is being raised by, a, you know, a, a grandparent or by a, another family member. And so I think that that role of parenting is just um, so important. And I think that um, sometimes we parent maybe how we were parented. Like we, well, if I was... You know, I didn't have a father growing up, but I knew a lot of my friends. They didn't have really strong relationship with their father. Their father worked, came home, did his thing, and then they knew he was there. He was a provider sometimes. There was no relationship in them because he never, that, that father didn't have a relationship with his father. It kind of perpetuates these these models and how do we begin to change those. So I think that the raising of kids, um, and I'm speaking as a person who just, you know, at seven years old, I was taking, helping take care of my, my siblings, you know, and I didn't know anything about being an adult at that time, but I knew I was responsible for some human life. And so, um, as an adult, you know, raising my godsons and really just helping them to grow, I think it was a really about, you know, here in this house, here's what we do. We take care of our responsibilities, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. um, my godson didn't want to do homework. He's like, I don't want to do homework. I'm like, well, that's not really an option. That's kind of like your rent, you know. <laughs> your your rent is to do homework. You don't you don't have to pay bills. You don't have to pay for the lights to come on. You don't have to pay for food, but you do need to get an education. And so, what you do after high school is your business. But up until then, that's what's that's what's going to happen. And homework is a part of this this journey around this. So, I I think there's lots of nuances to it. I wish I could have, I don't have an, an answer for how right. do we raise them, but I think it's really just about adults also. And one of the things that we talk about with it, when we do parent workshops is around, are you clear about your own mask that you deal with when you work with your kids? Like if your kids mm-hmm. think that you're perfect because you got a job and you got money and you pay all the bills and you never make mistakes there, right? Then how do they ever learn how to handle mistakes when they, they make if you've never given them experiences that you make mistakes as well. So I think it's just us being more human with our, with the people that we're, you know, in charge of rearing and raising so that they can learn how to make some of those decisions. And uh, when, when, tough, when times get hard, you know, right. Absolutely. No, I think, I, I think you pointed out on it beautifully. It's there's the two elements that jump out of, at me from what you you just shared is one, the idea of we model what we've been modeled, how we've been socialized, right? And that can carry from generation to generation or, and we often don't think about how we've been socialized growing up and how, how parenting has been modeled for us. And then the other element too is just how do we model what it means to be fully human? What, like you said, what masks are we carrying? And I think that those are two really key elements that we, I, I think, often forget in in the day to day. Yeah, 
I think that when, when you ask a question about the boys and girls, I think there's the, there's the other side of the element as well, right? It's the idea of, you know, um, of, of like nurture versus nature, right? We have the boys and girls and how, how we put hold our, you know, certain rules and things about what colors a boy can wear or a girl can wear, what kind of toys they can buy, what kind of activities they can be a part of. Mm-hmm. And I think that all those socializations are some of the things that, um, can be tricky, right? It can be tricky for, for young people, right? When you, when every, from the birth, you know, I mean, from the documentary, The Mask You Live In that we were featured in, it talks about this idea of how this uh, America's hyper-masculine narrative of raising our boys is, is, I mean, our raising boys is hurting them in the future, right? Like this hyper-masculine narrative of what it means to be a man is hurting our boys now, right? So mm-hmm. if, if all our boys have to always be tough and strong and have have money and have cars and have have muscles and have be athletic, all the things that movies, TVs, video games, and lots of magazines and society tells them that makes real men, then what happens when you don't feel like you want to fit into those categories? And, and I think that and it doesn't happen only with boys. It happens with girls as well, like having to do certain things and act certain ways um, to fit into what society says um, a girl is supposed to act like. And then for students who you know may not identify as, as either, right, who have those are challenges as well because then society wants you to act this way, but you don't want to, and now you have these battles. And so I think there's a lot, there's a lot now. I think yeah. maybe a long time ago there was there was only two ways of being. Here's the way you be a boy, and here's the way you be a girl, and then you just go up, follow that, and maybe a few people will rene- be renegades or revolutionaries and be like, "I'm going to do it how I want to do it," right? And people were like, "Wow, that person is strange or different or whatever." Like they would be called names, right? Because to act different than the norm is to be different, and most mm-hmm. people are uncomfortable with different. And so I think that how do we, you know give space to our young people and our parents to help those conversations that are really hard sometimes. So that, that's, that's a really important, it's a really big question. I, I wish. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you could probably write a book about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. So you mentioned to the, 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 the masks we wear and last year you launched the hundred thousand masks campaign. And so I was curious if you could describe that a little and also where have you taken the campaign and what are you discovering from it? Yeah. So the 100,000 mask challenge is a campaign that we are, um, that we launched, um, after the documentary came out. Um, our goal is to collect, uh, 100,000 masks from all over the world um, the documentary, The Mask You Live In, we did an activity over there, which was about the mask around, like, this thing about this mask as a metaphor for what we let the world see about us, right? And then mm-hmm. thinking about behind the mask are the things that we normally don't let people see. And so um, when we first did it in the documentary, um, I was really trying to give these young men a space just to kind of, like, open up a little bit because they, they usually didn't. But what I did experience after that was that, that activity because it let them put it on paper and let them kind of like express it there as opposed to having to say it, which sometimes can be even harder. Um, it opened up some space. And so um, the campaign has been growing. Um, we've collected about right as of today, we've collected about 25,000 masks um, and they're and from all over the world. We have like nine countries. We have different masks from um and so what's been happening is um, as we go to conferences and talk to educators and educators do the activity in their classrooms, uh, it gives teachers an opportunity 
to say to their students, like, look, I'm, I'm human too. And, and as a class of humans, we're going to have to get along. And, and, I'm, and, and, you know, teachers, they can be a power struggle because they're in charge. They hold the grade. But what would it be like if a classroom, um, the students knew that their teacher cared about them as humans in addition to students of that subject? And so um, it's not only a tool for teachers. It's good mm-hmm. for team, team building. Like sometimes, you know, in corporate America, there's like, there, there's these buzzwords about psychological safety. And we know that most people in their jobs don't usually have it you know this idea that i can feel comfortable to make mistakes and 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 not know answers to things and not have not be perfect and it'd be okay while people on my team help me to grow um and so we just really the campaign we've seen it not only in corporate settings and communities and um with teachers with parents with the young people with elementary students as young as fourth grade uh, can understand this idea that i get to show part of myself this part of my mask. These are things I can't talk about. And um, it's, it's been taking, it's been catching some traction. I think right now we're in some really strong momentum at the, as this school year starts. And I think that um, I'm excited about where we're, where we're going next, you know? So uh, this year, this summer, we started kind of looking at some of the data um, and we have a lot to do. We have, you know, a lot of, de- a lot of masks here in my office that we're trying to like um, kind of catalog and, and, and log. And so uh, that the next phase is really, um, as the campaign continues to grow, to really begin sharing some of the things that we're finding, some of the findings. And I think mm-hmm. what we're finding is that, that people are more, have more in common than they ever realize, that, that there's more to each of us than anybody could ever know just by looking at us. And what we see when we go to schools or even businesses or teams that have worked together for lots of years, like people will inevitably say, you know, I've been working with people here for years and I never knew they were going through stuff. And I think that that's just something to say about what we believe is what we have to be. We have to be perfect. We have to be, we have to always be masked up and whatever that mask has to be, you know, maybe, maybe it's for protection. I'm not saying that masks are bad, but we find that people, when they get the opportunity to kind of take it off a little bit, they, they, you know, some people may not, but a lot of people feel really liberated. Like, wow. Like I feel more connected to people here. Mm-hmm. I feel more connected to people in this room, in this space. Um, I had a young man, we did a workshop the other day at a camp here in the Santa Cruz mountains. Um, he said, um, I felt uneasy when I first started, but now I feel safe. Right. Like this idea of middle schoolers, right? Like yeah. get, having an opportunity to kind of like take a space to like recognize that other people in the room are human too. And, and I think that we've, We've, we've kind of taught that out of each other or ourselves or society has taught it out of us to how to connect with each other. And so, yeah, we're really excited about the campaign and that's, um, thanks for asking about that. Yeah, no, I, I think it's also really important to the highlight that there is so many places in our lives right now where we are asked not to show, not to bring all of us, right? Where, you know, as a, as an adult, we go to work and we can only show part of us at work. Right, because not all of us is welcome. Yeah, and and just thinking about what does that mean for school? What is that? Are there situations where we don't feel safe? Right, you're like you're the young man who at, at this retreat recently that that you know said now I feel safe to to be able to hold that space is is really powerful. Yeah, and to recognize that you're not the only one, right? To recognize yes. that you are not the only one maybe going through something, but because we have our communities or society that says we can't talk about it, we believe we're the only one because everyone only talking about 
the cool stuff they did over the weekend or the cool stuff in their life. And no one's really talking about the challenges. So sometimes we have a hard time even knowing how to manage our own challenges because no one's ever discussing them. So we, we make up stuff and we do it by ourselves. We, but I think that when the young people recognize they're not alone, then it helps them have somebody that they could, you know, potentially talk to. And it's, and it's always for me to tell them, you know, you got to decide who you deserve, who deserves to hear some of your truth. Cause everyone doesn't deserve to hear it. You know, you, you get to decide. Um, and, and it's been really helpful for a lot of, of not only young people, but adults as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. After a short break, we'll continue our conversation with Ashanti Branch, uh, who's founder and executive director of the Ever Forward Club. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your community on a journey to build consensus or define a vision for the future? Do you want your organization and people to flourish? Are you feeling burnt out or seeking guidance to leave old patterns of thinking and being behind? Thomas Rosenberg has international experience in change leadership, consensus building, and organizational transformation. He guides leaders and change makers, their organizations and communities on their journeys of transformation. For more information and to contact him, visit Regenerate.coach. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Success doesn't come by chance. It's a decision to take a chance on you. Attending the University of Choice is a goal, but not a guarantee. Dr. Cynthia Colon offers you the formula of going from good, better, to best and increasing those chances of receiving that yes to your dream university. Get the one-to-one attention every student needs to succeed. Tune in to Destination University, live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Envision. To find out more about the program or to leave comments and questions, please visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Envision Regenerative Communities. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back to Envision. We are here with Ashanti Branch of the Ever Forward Club, and we were talking about the 100,000 mask campaign and some of the workshops. And so I'd actually like to dive right into that actually ashanti since sort of pick up where we left off you've you you've gotten 25,000 masks collected now and i was curious what do your findings suggest about the co- finding or highlighting a common humanity across cultures across countries yeah you know um 
One thing, when we first started, before we had went to any other country, you know, I didn't know what we would find. But I knew that what we were finding with adults and then finding in, like, with middle school students was very similar things. That there's a part of ourselves, the part of the front of the mask that we um, let people see, right? The part of ourselves that was either, you know, happy, funny, charismatic, um, excited, you know, hardworking, like all these things that, that, that show up on the front. And then the back usually are the things that we don't, that we may not think that people could accept or understand, you know, um, you know, like how deeply we may feel emotions or our past issues or family issues. Or um, I think that what we find, what we started to find is that there was a commonality. The only difference between an adult who would make a mask um, and maybe a 15 year old, 13 year old would usually be the sophistication of the words. So it's kind of like, you know, um, I think that uh, the sophistication of the words is one thing, but the actual words that what they mean is something different, you know? Um, Like I have one mask I'm looking at right now that talks about on the front is funny, friendly, intelligent. That's the front. And this is um, from Melbourne. This is from Australia. So, um, and then the back of the mask is like nervous, insecure, emotional. Right? Mm. Mm-hmm. And then if, if I tell you about a, um, a, a one with like a 13 year old like that I did just past week, the front is like energetic, happy, excited. And the back is like feelings, past, anger. And so like this is a 13 year old, a 27 year old. They have a lots of different, they come from two different worlds, <laughs> California to Australia. 13 years old, 27 years old, like a lot of different life experiences you can imagine. But if you look at these words, they're, 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 they're not so far off. Right. And I think that all we, what we are trying to see is that, and what we're trying to help people understand is that, that there, there's way more to ourselves than people would ever know by just looking at us and to help people recognize that there's way more to others that we meet than we could ever know just by looking at them. And so how do we just build more deeper connections with others so that we're not making judgments based on something that we, uh, we use as a judgment? How how about we Mm -hmm. become more curious as opposed to judgmental? And I think that's what we're trying to do in the work. And that's what we see is that whether I'm in Australia, whether I'm in Mexico, whether I'm in Colombia, whether we're in India, whether we're in Canada, um, like whether we're in Bermuda, <laughs> wherever like we are, that when people are making these masks, it, it's, it's very similar. And I think sometimes we, we believe that people over there or down there or somewhere else, they could never be like us, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that is what we're trying to help people see. And so, you know, when people go to our website, we have the 100kmasks.com site. It's a place for people to be able to look at masks from all over the world and then really recognize that, wow, like that could be like my mask or, wow, I have a connection to that and I don't even know where that place is, you know, and to know that there's, that we're all human. And I think that that's the human connection. Sometimes the, the borders create a more of a barrier than, than needs to be created because we think that we have nothing in common. And I think that there's so much more that we have in common with each other. And so that's what we've been finding. You know, we, we haven't started doing a lot of crunching of numbers and data around it. We have seen some really interesting things in certain schools. Um, we had one school in particular, just, I don't do a lot of data stuff right now, but I'll just tell you this one because it was really interesting. We had a one all-boys school 
Um, it was like, you know, about a thousand students that came to that first workshop. We input all the number, all the words on the front and the back of the masks. And on the front of the mask, the word that showed up the most, like 33% on the front. So 33% of the, the young men, the boys at this high school said they were funny. That they show the hmm. world that they're funny. Like, mm-hmm. that, that's pretty interesting. I mean, nothing, yeah. no, no judgment about it, but the idea is that like the majority of students, like that was the word that showed up the most and it had the most hits of all of them. 33% of them said, I show people that I'm funny. So imagine a place where everybody's trying to be funny and everyone's trying to out funny each other, right? <laughs> funny is different to different people because what's right. funny to you may not be funny to me. And maybe mm-hmm. I'm, you, you want to be funny at my expense. And so it doesn't matter how you treat me as long as you get the laugh out of it. And so I think that there's some, something to be said about that. Um, and when we did the workshop with the freshmen the following year, a majority of them, a majority of the freshmen the following year who had just shown up to the school like a couple of months also said they try and show that they're funny. So either they did it because everyone else was trying to be funny all the time, so they felt they had to follow along, or that's just a common theme that happens at that one school. So, so and I think that it's just really interesting for us just to begin. And we're as a team are starting to look at some of these numbers because there's a lot of a lot of data even with the twenty five thousand of them. Just to begin to kind of look at some of the patterns that we see. Um, but we, what we know more than anything is that when people look at a card, when they see a mask of someone else, it, somebody who they don't even know, they just look mm-hmm. at a card. They they usually are like, wow. <laughs> That's deep. And, um, and that's what I think is important when we get to know each other a little bit better. We recognize that we're, made, we're more deep than um, some, the outside appearance could usually show. Yeah. Well, what, I, yeah, what I'm hearing, too, is that this is a really it, – it's comforting and it's also liberating yeah. to see yeah. the mirroring across countries, across cultures. And, uh, yeah, that's fine, which is, which is powerful on so many different right. – you know, it touches us whether we're from a small town or a big city or on whatever continent. Yeah, yeah. That is, that's awesome. Really, I'm looking forward to hearing more about what you, when you start crunching those numbers, what you, what you uncover. I'm, I imagine that could be shared in many different ways, but I'm, 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 I'm excited to see what happens when you have all of those those numbers processed after reaching a hundred thousand or more. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're starting now. We're, we're not going to wait till the hundred thousand to start. We're actually starting now to work with some data, data um, engineers and data scientists to kind of look at some of the patterns that are already coming out of them. We're, we're in the process of doing some data entry just of what we have right now. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that it's just really exciting to, to be in this phase. And you know, I, when we created the idea of the act of the goal of a hundred thousand, it was just setting a big goal for our own team. And as mass started coming in, we started realizing we can't, we can't wait till then to start looking at this. We need to begin looking at it now. So we're going to be sharing some, um, you know, some infographics over the next, you know, couple of months so people can see. And, uh, and hopefully we're going to be creating an app pretty soon. That's going to help us to use the, do the activity, um, you know, the larger part of the world where, you know, they can't necessarily print the card and then mail it back to us. Like how can we be able to get people to participate that may, um, you know, may have access to a, a telephone or a digital device, but may not be able to, you know, print out a piece of paper and then put a stamp on it and mail it back to us. So really just looking at some more, um, you know, 21st century skills that or tools that we can use to, to, to connect with other people in the world as well. Yeah, that sounds, um, that sounds exciting. 
Yeah. From a geographical and, I guess, community element uh, perspective, where are you finding the most interest? Is that teachers or principals, parents, students, what, and also you know, which, which group in the community is most interested and pulling you in and geographically where are you seeing the most interest? You know, we've been um, going to a lot of places. I, I think that, um, you know, I'm based here in California, so we have a lot of traction here. Um, I don't say a lot. We have, we, we, have, we have lots of movement happening. And what we, what's happening is when people go to conferences, um, we do a lot of um, presentations, workshops, and people hear about our work, people who work with youth, and then they usually reach out to us to bring the campaign to their school. And what we've offered to people is, we want people in their own communities to do the activity themselves. We don't want people that they, they don't have to bring us in. We, we will gladly come to facilitate workshops um, in, in communities all over the world. Um, we want to like empower people to use the tool that we created. And then we, the, the, the ask in return, we want it to be a win-win. We, we give the tool away right now. And we say, look, our, ask of you is after you've used the tool to learn from the people in your community and have a build that te- that deeper connection to each other, you send the cards back to us because that's how we're going to be able to be a part of the more global campaign. And I think that is uh, what we have done with this, with this resource. And so, you know, people, some, some schools all over the country have been ordering cards um, or asking to download the, 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 the feed, you know, the form, so they can use it in their classes, and then they scan them and they send them back to us, or they put them in the mailbox and send them to us. And so we're seeing a lot of um, a lot of folks. We had a lot of traction in Australia, which has been really exciting. Um, uh, they're doing a lot of work around building, you know, more uh, inclusive communities. Um, we did we, were, we did a presentation in Queensland this year, and last year we were at the um, Education for Change conference in Melbourne, and so it's been opening doors. And so I think that what's happening is, um, I'll, you know, I'll be going to India later this year uh, for a, a summit on um, nonviolence. Um, and it was basically the anniversary of Gandhi's birth, uh, the 149th anniversary of Gandhi's birth. And um, we'll be doing a workshop there in India um, at a really big school. So I'm really excited about that. So there's lots of things are starting to happen in terms of the camp. You know, we've just been pushing it and really telling people about it and letting people know what it is and trying to do our best to connect with people on social media to let them know what they can, how their schools or their young people or their community or even just their kid or maybe just a, a partner with themselves and like be able to, to get past the, the, the mask. Um, we find that it's been really, so whether somebody mails in one card or a school mails in 500, we're super thankful and it's, it's adding to the, 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 the more wide reaching of the, of the campaign. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Fantastic. So from our recent conversations, it seems that schools need to address the issue around, because you were talking about Australia just now with the, the more inclusive community building. So is there something else you know, that needs to be added to what's going on besides pedagogy and curriculum in terms of teacher training? And is this better done at the district level or is it better done at the school level? What have you found? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question of, uh, about the schools and education and pedagogy. I think, you know, in, in most cities, USA, um, schools are probably the only entity that's still operating like they did 100 years ago. 
right? Like the desks yeah. are in one way, the teacher's <laughs> at the front, the board is in the front. Like there's like this model that, that some people are just having a hard time letting go of. And what we have found in a lot of our work with educators is that in my, my work with educators, I was a teacher for 11 years. So I knew that professional development often was um, at best bad. <laughs> that, that was at best. At best, mm-hmm. it was bad professional development. At, at the worst, it was horrible, right? So sometimes they had people coming in front of the room talking to teachers who maybe had never been in a classroom, but they, they know this thing that they're talking about, and you're like, that's not going to work. <laughs> Come sit in my classroom <laughs> for five minutes, and mm-hmm. I'll show you that that's not going to work, right? And it's like, and I said, if I ever got a chance to do and work with teachers, like, my professional development would always be meaningful and experiential and powerful and usable right away. And so I think that what we, what we see in a lot of teacher programs, they do a lot of work around the pedagogy and they read a lot of really good books and things like that. But to help people build connection, that requires an experience. Mm-hmm. Like how do I teach you how to build connection with somebody? I can give you a lot of to step-by-step guide, ask them how they're doing, say good morning, shake their hand. I can give you a list of things to do. But if you don't really like people, it's going to be hard for you to build a relationship with people. And so yeah. what we found is that we can help teachers begin to see their, their selves as human. So our professional development is I'm not giving you a list of facts of what to do. I'm, I'm asking you about you. I'm asking you to do some reflection on your own self as an educator and as a human so that when your student comes to you and is not perfect and is not doing everything you asked him to do, that you recognize that sometimes you're not perfect and you don't do what people ask you to do. But if we think that the kids are supposed to follow the rules and we're the adults and they're supposed to do what we say because we, we have a degree, then that's where the, the battle begins. And so I think our job is building connection and helping teachers figure out how much, how human their students are by, by helping them to like just, hey, care a little bit more. Care more about the subjects that you teach than the subject that you're teaching. That's what we ask teachers mm. to do. Beautifully, beautifully stated. No, I, it's it's true. I think it goes back to what we mentioned in the in the first segment a little bit around modeling. You can't you can't teach empathy as a recipe. It's it's right. an experience, and That's right. how you share and and make that connection with others is really based on what you're feeling and being able to tap into that and and yeah. connect. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. No, that, that's fantastic. So is this better addressed at the district level? What are you finding in the workshops you've done around the world and across the country? Yeah, I, I think we've, we've got a lot of uh, teachers who bring it to their class. And we think that I think that it, it would be great at the district level um, as long as it's not coming in as a thing that's like if, if, it, if it, it's all about how it's, it's framed. When I frame it, I don't frame it as here's some magic. This is going to fix everything. This is about building connection, and connection helps us to get to the place of learning where kids who may not really want to learn may be willing to do it because that you have a relationship with them. You know, my mm-hmm. favorite teacher was an English teacher, and I hated English, but I did everything right. she asked me to do because I, I had, a, rela- I had a, a positive relationship with her, not because I liked English. And so I think sometimes teachers, they get offended when students don't like their subject. So I think, I, I believe we have one district in um, Virginia, as a matter of fact, um, they invited us out to do workshops there and they did the activity with a bunch of schools in their district, which was really awesome. And I was really um, thankful to go there. And um, so I think that it was our first experience of a district like saying, we're going to get behind this campaign. And um, 
You know, we don't have a marketing team, so we, we, you know, I think that that may be where we begin to push ourselves to reach out to district levels. But sometimes districts are so there's so much politics involved, and I think that politics get in the in, in the way of keeping students first. And so I'm not willing to wait around to be involved in anybody's political games. I'm here to help serve young people. So that means that there's a teacher who wants to do it in their class, we're going to work with that teacher. If there's a principal who says, I want my whole school to do it, we're going to support that principal. And when there's a district who wakes up and says, we need to do, we need to do something a little different, then we're totally glad to work with that district. So I'm hoping that if anybody out there is connected to any district folks who are really serious about making education better for young people, not for the old people, <laughs> like if we're going to make education better for the people we're teaching, then we would love to be a part of helping them uh, do some of that. So, you know, we, we, we're, we're, we're still new in the game. We're 25% towards our goal, so we're still learning as well. But right. we find that, you know, I think that uh, as, as, as it starts to grow, as the campaign starts to grow, we start to see um, more people get involved, and that's exciting for us. Fantastic. Thank you for that. We are speaking with Ashanti Branch, founder and executive director of the Ever Forward Club, and we'll be right back after a short break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Is your community on a journey to build consensus or define a vision for the future? Do you want your organization and people to flourish? Are you feeling burnt out or seeking guidance to leave old patterns of thinking and being behind? Thomas Rosenberg has international experience in change leadership, consensus building, and organizational transformation. He guides leaders and change makers, their organizations, and communities on their journeys of transformation. For more information and to contact him, visit Regenerate.coach. Our humanity is a thing we take for granted, but it takes many forms, and it requires much of us to fully express it. Listen to On Living, the trauma and beauty of being human, with host Dr. Leanne Nguyen. This program will explore topics about survival, fulfillment, hope, connection, being fully alive to ourselves and to others. Guests are people whose life experience inspires us to reflect on these questions. Tune into On Living, broadcasting live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Envision. To find out more about the program or to leave comments and questions, please visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Envision Regenerative Communities. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back to Envision. We are here with Ashanti Branch of the Ever Forward Club, and we were talking about 
some of the exciting prospects and also some of the challenges that bringing some of the Ever Forward Club's work to schools entails. And Ashanti, I wanted to ask you, you know, you have youth here, you know, you, ha- you talked about the, your three, three uh, program activities, the four to fifth, the fourth and fifth graders for your elementary school, your, and then your middle and high school experience. And I was wondering, do you bring in the youth, the young men to facilitate some of these workshops? Yeah, well, you know, we love um, having our young men get involved. The elementary school students haven't yet. Most of our high school students are the ones who are ready. They've been in our program for at least a year, um, and some that are in right now in our our high, our high school program have been in about three or four years. Um, they are equipped and ready to to go to workshops. And then most times our workshops are during the school day, so many of them are not available. But, you know, sometimes we have workshops on weekends or sometimes we'll have workshops in the evening that are like community workshops. So we love to invite them. I love having students. I love having them facilitate as much as, as they're willing to facilitate because I think it's important for other young people to see that it doesn't have to come from the adult necessarily. There, there's a way for them to be able to hold space for each other. And there's so much talent in them that oftentimes gets unused because they sometimes are uh, disconnected from connecting to people on a human basis, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. definitely connecting in their own world, which is in a lot of digital world, but the human face-to-face connection and building community with people, I think we want them to get better at it and we want to give them tools so that they can, um, you know, use that to their advantage in the future. Like if I if I if I've learned how to communicate, I can look people in the eye, I can hold a space and hold and talk about something important. Um, that will take you far. And I think that the more we help our young people begin practicing communicating, healthy communication is really important. So yeah, we try and get them out, and we try and you know we tr- we try and you know when we can, we want to pay them. We want to like give them. It's not a job, but it's like look. We were using some of your time and some of your talent, so we want you to know that your time and talent, when you use it well, it can benefit you. And so we try and, you know, give them a stipend to come. And um, and, and that's when, it, when we can. During the summertime, they often have more time on their schedule or if we go to conferences on the weekend. Um, there's a couple of conferences coming up this year that we've already been invited to, so I'm really excited. Um, we're going to be taking some young people to um, Washington, D.C., and we'll also be going to um, – uh, to Louisville, Kentucky for the Rumble Young Man Rumble Conference. So um, this year we're going to have our opportunity to really do some deep work, and I'm, I'm excited about that. What are some of the changes that you've seen in the young men after after facil- co-facilitating a, a workshop? I mean, I, I, or facilitating several workshops? Have you? I imagine yeah, you know. you've seen some growth. Absolutely. I, I think that when they when they first believe in themselves enough to be willing to step in front of people, you know, their first time is usually, you know, maybe a little rough. Right. And I think when they when they recognize, they'll say something like, you know, they, they weren't listening or they weren't following instructions. And I was like, OK, so, you know, where where could we have where could you have, um, you know, improved how you explained it? So or could have explained. So I think that when they get in front of a room, it also helps them feel what their teacher feels like when the teacher is trying to get people's attention. And so it really gives them a lot of different, a lot of levels of, of learning. It's like, oh, that's tough to be like trying to get a, keep, keep people engaged. You know, they're all doing other stuff. They're playing over there. I was like, yeah, imagine that, right? 
And so I think it not only gives them some confidence that, hey, you know, that was awesome. You, know, you stood in front of like 20, 30, 50, 100 people and you presented. A lot of people were really afraid to do that. And so really just helping build their own confidence and figure out where mm-hmm. are the areas in their life that they could be giving more and working harder. And so um, we just see a lot of growth. And our young people who go on multiple events, we see them being able to like when we go to events, they're able to 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 hold conversations with adults in, 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 in a really positive way. So it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to watch them grow. You know, uh, one of our young people who started with us in the sixth grade, he's about to be a sophomore now, um, just watching him grow, right, from being really immature in the sixth grade, which most, you know, 11-year-olds kind of could be, um, right. to being right now to really just having a job this summer and really, like, being responsible. We took him to Colorado this year, and he just did an incredible job. And it's been and it was a lot of hard work. It wasn't all fun. It wasn't all fun in these last four years with him sometimes. But to see him today is like it was worth it. It was worth all the arguments and the fussing and the tantrums. It was worth all of it to see <laughs> who, he, who he became, who he's becoming right now. Yeah, and that's 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 well, the and then and that's the that's the win for us, right? That's the win. Um, yeah, no, it sounds beautiful. It sounds beautiful just to see that somebody coming out of the angst of of the tween years and really growing into a a beautiful young man so yeah absolutely absolutely you're working hard Ashanti to expand the ever forward club and you know meeting a growing demand which is fantastic what programming are you being requested to do most right now you know this year um we are going to have 10 clubs going, so the Everford Club. Um, we are going to be doing a lot more workshops. So I think last year um, we probably did about 40 workshops around the country, um, some parts of the world, but also mostly in the United States. And the growth from that um, has been really just giving more people to see our work, hear about our work, to see the documentary, to then invite us in to do workshops. And so we do a lot of workshops. The workshops are just like a – you know, one two one and a half to two hour engagement where schools will bring us in for an assembly or bring us in for a workshop with specifically with their young men, um, or they'll bring us in for professional development with their teachers. Um, and the clubs, you know, we haven't expanded the clubs outside of um, Oakland yet. We're we're piloting uh, a club in San Diego this year, which is going to kind of begin to kind of see where where you know we're a small organization, but we're in this process of like, oh, we're how do we decide where we go next, right? How do you, I mean, these are some people who are entrepreneurs in this work you mm-hmm. know, out in the world. They're like, we're going to expand to this community next. You know, this work is really, where is, the, where, is the, where is the receptivity happening? And I think we've met some really incredible educators all over the country and just trying to find the, the right place to, to make that next leap. And so this year we'll have 10 clubs. We're really going to begin honing in on building those 10 clubs, building our board, really getting our organizational structures together. Like, you know, we've only been, the organization started in 2004. I was a first year teacher, but I wasn't, I wasn't building a business. I wasn't building an organization then. <laughs> right. I was just a teacher helping kids after school and lunchtime. And so now basically we're a startup in 2016. So I'm about to hit my two year anniversary being the executive director, at least officially, you know? So now it's like, okay, we're, we're two years into this, like trying to build this, this 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 ship, and um, mm-hmm. and it's been really exciting. It's been definitely no dull moments, <laughs> but definitely <laughs> a lot of uh, a, lot, a huge learning curve. And so, 
I think we're still in the in the in the in the in the drive up the hill of the curve, and we're mm-hmm. excited to keep learning about it. You know. No, that's fantastic. So, is there or are there specific criteria that when you're like, for example, how did you choose San Diego? Why? What What was it about San Diego that made that a really good place to pilot something outside of the Bay Area, or for that matter, outside of Oakland? Well, it's kind of the magic of somehow this thing works, right? Like, that's a great question. It's probably a longer question than we have time for. But I'll say this. Um, I got I invited to um, the graduate school at High Tech High. They have a graduate school. I presented at a conference called the Deeper Learning Conference. Um, and then I met some educators there. And then I presented again at another conference the following year at the graduate school um, um, uh, fellowship meeting. And then I met some young people at one of the schools who they had been talking, working with, and one of the deans had been working with. And then they came with me to present with me at one of the, um, at one of another workshop that I did. And it just, it was like very like, it, it was not, it wasn't planned. It was just very kind of fluid and, and just kind of flowed. And it was like, well, they, they wanted to have something. Those young men wanted to meet regularly. And so there were some teachers who were interested in, you know, helping to support it. And I said, well, hey, how about you just meet with them every week? And we just started to kind of like, we're going to give them some tools of how they could start building an engagement. And we were like playing around with it. We were just kind of, we were making it up, really, to tell you the truth. We were mm-hmm. like, it wasn't like I wouldn't, just so you know, I never wanted to be a teacher. <laughs> so teaching kind of called me. So I think that what's been happening with our work, even with this campaign, like it's just been, we've been just trying to, I've been just kind of in the vision of like, what's the next best thing to do to have an impact? And we are kind of, connecting with educators who are like, we could use your work here. We could use the benefit of what you're doing with young people here. And we're just kind of, we're, we're open and we're being thoughtful and we're being, cause we don't want to leave any young people hanging. We don't want to like start something and then have to stop it. Like we want to be really thoughtful. So we're really being mindful of that. But there, there's San Diego happened just really, um, there's a word I'm looking for, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't a plan. It was just like, it just kind of, Say it again. I was going to say organically or maybe synchronicity. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. That's the yeah. word I was looking for organically. I, it, we, it just happened really organically. I wasn't even, I, I went there to present. I think I did a good job. Some teachers saw me. They invited me back again. I met with those students. And so I, that's what's been happening. And I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I think that what we know around the country is that there are educators who are really wanting to do something different. They don't really know what to do. Um, they know that they have some young men in their school who need some extra support. They're willing to say, you know what, we don't have all the answers here. We're willing to look somewhere else. And, um, and you know, as an organization, we're excited to be supporters and thought partners in supporting that, that growth. And, and that's why we create the tool. The tool is like, we give it away. Like that's not a good business idea for most people. Like you're going to get, maybe, maybe some businesses give a lot of things away. I don't know. We're a small nonprofit. So to be like, we're giving these cards away around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, that's, that's stretching. And yeah. so like, it doesn't bring in any money for us, but it brings an impact. And that's what I believe. That's why I started this organization. I didn't start this trying to run a nonprofit. You know, I, I, I have a lot of questions about nonprofit and then this idea of like hustling and running and, you know, for money, like mm-hmm. I want to do good work and I want to, but I not. And so to do good, that good work, I have to go out and do, you know, this work of building the financial responsibility of the organization. And so, you know, I would rather just mentor. I'd rather just do workshops sometimes, but now as a, as having a bigger vision, 
then my job is to get bigger and smarter and and and, and build that build the organization that can run that. Um, and that's what we'll do every day until 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 the students until we've eliminated the dropout rate. Right. Until we've eliminated the the achievement gap, until we've eliminated the high rates of teenage violence, and when we can achieve that, then I'll go and maybe I'll go back and be an engineer again. <laughs> but until then, uh, this is this is the calling that's uh, been on my life. Yeah, I hear you. So, how can people follow your story and support the Ever Forward Club? Yeah, so we are on um, um, social media on Facebook, Twitter. Um, Instagram, and they can all find us at at Ever Forward Club. So whether they go to Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, and even Snapchat if they have it, we're still learning Snapchat. But at Ever Forward Club is our is our handle, and we have a website everforwardclub.org. And there, if people want to order the mask cards, they'll just go to the 100K mask page. They can order cards. And uh, we look forward to hearing from folks. We look forward to them getting involved, and maybe they want to be an ambassador in their community to collect masks. We would love to work with people all over the world who can see the benefit in this. Um, And if they want to see some masks, just go to one of our social media pages and you'll see masks that we post and you can get a feel for what the mask actually looks like. And um, we hope that they will um, stay tuned because we're going to be also doing some more long form interviews, probably starting a little podcast with interviewing young men from all over the world, just talking about their experience of growing up and what are some things they need so that they can be more whole and more um, live a life of, of, of honor, respect, and integrity. And so we're excited about that. We're going to be posting some of those interviews coming up pretty soon. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Ashanti. It's been an honor having you back on the show today. Thank you. Glad to be here with you. I appreciate you for um, having us again. It, it, it really is my pleasure. So we've been speaking about the Ever Forward Club and the importance of providing youth with the emotional development support they need and how adults and communities can better support youth overall. If you're enjoying this show, we ask that you consider supporting its ongoing production and development with a one-time or monthly ongoing donation. This show has been part of the gift economy for the past year, and we ask that you consider giving what you think it's worth. Please go to steadyhq.com forward slash support hyphen envision. That's the campaign page. Thanks again for joining us today. I'm your co-host, Thomas Rosenberg, and this is Envision. Thank you for tuning in this week to Envision. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for future shows, visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Envision Regenerative Communities. For more information about today's guests and upcoming shows, please see our show page on voiceamerica.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week.